Welcome to the Christian Classical Corner with Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church and the Good Shepherd School Project, where we discuss Christian classical education as a way forward for educating God's children. Greetings, friends in Christ. My name is Margaret Douglas, and I am the headmistress of the Good Shepherd School Project at Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church. Let's talk some classical education. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, the Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. It's great to be with you, brothers and sisters, here at the Christian Classical Corner, where we're discussing classical methods of education as a tool for the true discipling of our children and the forming of their hearts for Christ. Now, we've talked in some past programs about how classical education, the methods of following the trivium of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, are the liberal arts that are the appropriate education for a people freed in Christ and not slaves to this world. And we discussed how, over time, these lost tools of education, as Dorothy Sayers called them way back in the 1940s, helped to form our minds. But today we want to focus even more about how Christian classical education can form hearts, which is even more important. So here to talk about that with me today is Deacon Aaron Giles from Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church in Henderson. Erin is ordained as a deacon in the Anglican Church in North America. She served in active parish ministry for 18 years, both as a deacon and as a presbytera, that is, a priest's wife. Erin graduated from Princeton University, summa cum laude, and Phi Beta Kappa with an AB in politics and certificates in Spanish, French, and political theory. She holds a Master's of Divinity from the Church Divinity School of the Pacific and a Master's in Christian Ethics and Social Theory jointly from there and the Graduate Theological Union. Her primary theological interest is in practical divinity. What does it look like to live a Christian life? How do we love God and love our neighbor through every minute of every day? In addition to her parish ministry through Jesus the Good Shepherd, Aaron serves as the Common Canonical Exam Coordinator for the Board of Examining Chaplains for the Anglican Church in North America West, which is an association of five dioceses or regional churches in our national church. Aaron's primary ministry for the last 16 years has been the discipling of her six children through building a home centered on our Lord Jesus Christ. And the latest calling upon Aaron's life is in the building of the Good Shepherd School Project. Deacon Aaron, welcome to the Christian Classical Corner. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Margaret. It's wonderful to be here with you and with all of your listeners. Thank you. Now, your first ministry, in spite of some amazingly impressive uh, academic credentials, well, we say in spite of, but, you know, that's the world's <laughs> attitude. Your first ministry with those amazing credentials is that of wife and mother. And you and I have had several conversations about the importance of any child's first and primary schooling being in the home. Tell us about how you and your husband, Father Howard Giles, work to foster a rich life in Christ with your own family and how you see that transferring to the Good Shepherd School. Well, there are lots of ways that we try to do that. I think first and foremost, uh, as husband and wife, uh, we try to be in unity with one another and to make sure that Christ is at the center of our marriage and our relationship, uh, which also places Christ at the center of our home. 
And then from there, uh, we really have adopted many of the things that the church, the Anglican church, which is a liturgical church, uh, meaning that we follow a common liturgy of the people, the work of the people. Uh, and we have many ways that we do that in church, and we have uh, brought them into our home uh, to make that the center of our life at home. So some of the most important ways that we have done that is a frequent and regular scripture reading with our children. Um, we always began our school day with a short service of a family prayer, morning prayer, that included a Bible reading, a saint of the day, and several hymns from our tradition. As our children grew older, uh, we made this something that they were able to lead and would take turns leading and quite enjoyed. That is a practice that we have transferred over to Good Shepherd School Project with children leading worship. Yes. So each of our, uh, this fall, we'll be holding each homeschool atrium classes four days a week from two to four in the afternoons. And these classes, uh, sessions begin and end with um, a shortened version of what is called in Anglicanism the daily office, meaning the daily offering of prayer. So we first did this in our home, and then as our children uh, enjoyed it so much, we saw what a blessing it was to them to be in worship and to lead worship and to read regularly scripture and to read about their mothers and fathers in faith who are the saints who show us that God has been active from the moment of creation right up until our own time. And so uh, we are hoping that that will be a blessing to the other children who attend Good Shepherd School Project. So that was one way. Another very important uh, thing that we have done in our home that I think helps our children to grow and be discipled is regular Bible reading. And uh, we have a children's Bible reader, and not every night because we're not perfect like any other family, <laughs> but um, as best we can, uh, we end our evenings with a read-aloud story and with a reading from this children's Bible reader. And we have the same Bible reader that we have been reading since my daughter, who's now 16, was three. So for 13 years, we have been reading through uh, this Bible reader. It's one I particularly love called Orthodox Children's Bible Reader. And I love it because it tells the stories in, I think, a very simple and direct way. And the focus um, is always on uh, the, the children hearing that direct word of God. And then it has also beautiful art, which I, as a, a classical educator, believe is very important as well, that the art that accompanies children's literature should be beautiful and show the truth, uh, which is always Christ. So we've been reading that book continuously for 13 years. And to me, the single most important aspect of reading that book nightly has been both for my faith formation, I was not raised as a Christian, and so as an adult, I'm learning the Bible, is to tell the story of salvation from mm. creation to revelation in short um, but full stories so that that very arc of salvation gets written on their hearts and we understand that God created us for a purpose and that at the end of time uh, on earth he will take us to be with him uh, in heaven and all the ways that he will uh, call us to serve him and to love him during that time in between creation and the final uh, 
homecoming at Revelation. Yeah, we were just talking last week with uh, talking about Dorothy Sayers and her lost tools of learning and, and that whole arc of salvation being taught to even very young children because your children are, are, are as young as six, seven now. Seven to 16. Uh, yeah, and, then and they've we been listening them, to this their whole lives. And then we ask them questions afterwards uh, so that they know the basic um, story, the basic characters. And then we also do Saturday morning Bible study, bring your own coffee and donuts. My husband does this at our parish, and it's uh, as young as six to as old as 85. Yes. And we read uh, one chap one a book of the Bible at a time, and we go verse by verse, and we do close reading. So we're looking at the words, we're looking at the particularities. And to me, this overarching story that they're read at night, so they have the whole arc of salvation history, then they're putting the specifics of the Bible story from Saturday morning into that whole, whole narration. Uh, from creation to salvation. Right now we're reading the book of Proverbs, uh, but we have read Exodus and many other books. And we always ask, where else in scripture do we see this particular word, this particular image, this particular um, activity? And because they have that whole arc of salvation just in in their hearts, they're able to make those connections. You mentioned their um, study of the saints, which some people listening to us might find a, a little odd. They're like, wow, you're, you're a Protestant church and you do saints? Yes, we do. Um, and I know your kids know the saints inside and out and know their stories. Talk to me a little bit about how the stories of the saints have influenced you as a family and challenged you in your own ministries. Well, uh, to me, they come out of, as you mentioned in the introduction, that I am a, a true student of practical divinity. So the question to me is, what does a Christian life look like? Mm. I believe in Jesus. I know that he's God. I know that he has asked me to love my neighbor and to love him. And uh, I'm a practical person. I need to know what that looks like. I am not uh, so much a, um, a theoretical theological uh, theoretician, but I want to know what it looks like. And to me, that's what the lives of the saints give us. They give us direct evidence of the Lord's working in people's lives, ordinary people's lives, uh, just like you, just like me, who are called in all the stations of their lives, from young children to persons who are older uh, and who are rich and poor from all around the world. And God calls them and he asks them to love him first and to love their neighbors. And their lives tell us what that looks like. And to me, that gives me both challenge that these ordinary Christians, just like myself, sometimes do the most amazing things, and also inspiration that there have been others who have suffered in some way or had some trial or difficulty that I'm having, and I see in their lives and in their stories how it is that the Lord has carried them through. I especially believe this is important for children because children are always looking for heroes. I think we see yes. that in uh, comic book movies and in uh, just in the media and the world around us. And to me, the, the richest example of heroes and heroines available to us are those saints, uh, especially in Scripture, of course. Um, as I mentioned, we read Scripture daily and weekly and uh, all the time in our house, and also in the lives of Christians from different times and places, uh, you know, following scripture and specifically in the life of the church. So Christians from 
you know, the, the 20 centuries since Christ walked on the earth who have responded to him, been uplifted by his Holy Spirit, and faced challenges in their lives and preserved and maintained the faith. And I'm so thankful and grateful to them that we have, uh, you know, the scriptures, that they've kept them together and the faith that they've kept them together and that they have told us that story, that great story of salvation, that we can tell it in our own lives. Uh, The scriptures talk about this. In Psalm 78, uh, one of my favorite psalms, uh, 78 verses... Uh, 1 to 8 especially, uh, the Lord says, Hear my teaching, O my people. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings as of old. So the Lord is commanding us to listen to teaching. And then he says, Which we have heard and known, and such as our forefathers have told us, that we should not hide them from the children of the generations to come, But show the honor of the Lord, his mighty and wonderful works that he has done. So he's saying not only that we should read those to ourselves, but the only way our children will know the amazing works of God is if we tell them and teach them. In verse 5, he made a covenant with Jacob and gave Israel a law, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children, that their posterity might know it and the children which were yet unborn with the intent that when they came up, they might show it to their children. And to me, just as the Lord commanded the people of Israel to tell their children uh, the story of the, sal- the great salvation that he had wrought for them in, in uh, freeing them from slavery in Egypt, he commands us as Christians to tell the great salvation that he has offered to us in the person of Jesus Christ and that is widely demonstrated in the lives of his followers over the 20 centuries of Christian history. Yeah. And children really latch on to stories. Yeah, and if we don't give them heroes from the church then they're bound to look to the world for those heroes and the people that the world puts up as heroes are not saints and martyrs. And and what's the thing that children are looking for? They're looking for someone like them who is struggling and some way forward. And one of the gifts of the lives of the saints to me is the sheer richness and variety of them. So that kids who are shy and introverted or contemplative or kids who are, you know, brave and and active or children who Mm -hmm. are, uh, you know, feel a call to be at home and be mothers or children who feel a call to go far away and tell stories or really children who are called to do almost anything, there's a saint who's done that. And it to me, it broadens up that vision of what it is to follow Christ and how we are called to do that in our uniqueness and in our individuality, that he created each one of us for such a time as this and for such a walk as he gives us. And the lives of the saints show that. Uh, Today is the feast of St. Gregory the Great, September 3rd. Uh, He was a pope in Rome and uh, a very rich man who became uh, disillusioned with uh, the power that he had from being rich, gave away all his money, founded monasteries throughout uh, the Italian peninsula in the 6th century, including one in Rome, and eventually became the pope and is uh, 
was faced with a disintegrating political situation around him and uh, used the power and uh, institution of the church to provide relief for famines and floods and all kinds of things. He was a very practical administrator. I was saying to my husband, I just love Gregory the Great because I'm such a practical person. Well, there's a problem. What do we do about that? And that was the question <laughs> that he was working on, uh, you know, and also a man of prayer. Uh, when he went to be pope, he brought his monks with him, and they he's described that as the tether that kept him to prayer. Also something that I know in my own life that I need, the discipline yes. of the daily office so that I don't get so focused on the, the details and the administration that I forget to pray. And so the discipline of, of our daily office as Anglicans, praying the prayer, the, the liturgy every morning, confessing my sins and reading my scriptures and being reminded to intercede for my fellow man and women and for the you know, our, our outside world, political things, whatever, uh, that discipline helps to ground me in my morning. Yes. Tell me about the pasture. Jesus the Good Shepherd is named for Ezekiel thirty four sixteen. Um, and, and you've talked to me about the fact that you see us as both a church and a school as a pasture. Tell me a little more about that. Certainly. Well, uh, when my husband and I, it was uh, the fall of uh, 2008, and my husband and I were discerning uh, where we were called next by the Lord. And so he made clear to us that we were to come to Las Vegas and to plant a church in Las Vegas, an Anglican church. Uh, there was none here at that time. And uh, now there are three, so that's very exciting. Uh, churches in the Anglican Church in North America. Yes. And... But at the time, there was were none. And the scripture that my husband was reading was the 34th chapter of Ezekiel. And the, in that chapter, it, there's a, a tragedy that has taken place. And it's a tragedy that I experienced in my own life uh, without all the political details of the Episcopal Church. But basically, the failure of shepherds to teach their people. Mm. And uh, the truth had not been being taught in the church that my husband and I were members of. We, we moved away from that uh, and were called to, to become part of the Anglican Church in North America. But the shepherds had, had been not teaching the people. They had been feeding themselves. They had left the people to wander and be lost. And so as we were planting the church... Uh, this was the chapter he was reading, and we spoke with the others that were church planting, and that name of Jesus being the Good Shepherd. So Jesus the Good Shepherd really spoke to the hearts of all those on our church planting team. And the particular verse that spoke to us from Ezekiel 34 is 16. And in Ezekiel 34:16, the Lord says, I shall seek the lost, bring back the misled, bind up the broken, strengthen the fallen, protect the strong, and feed them with judgment. So that is what we believe the pur purpose of Jesus the Good Shepherd is, what it is that the Lord is seeking to do through this church and through the school, is to seek the lost, bring back those who have been misled, uh, bind up the broken, strengthen the fallen, and protect the strong. Well, in the preceding verses, in verses 11 through 16, the Lord says, for thus says the Lord, Behold, I shall search for my sheep and care for them, as the shepherd seeks his flock on a day when there is darkness and when a cloud separates the sheep. Thus I will drive them from every place where they were scattered in the day of cloud and darkness. And this is the part about the pasture. And I shall bring them out from the Gentiles, gather them from the countries, and bring them unto their land. Here's the pasture. I shall feed them on all 
the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and on all the inhabited places of the land. I shall feed them in good pasture and on the high mountain of Israel, and their folds will be there. They will lie down, and there they shall rest in good luxury and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. So in order for the Lord to draw people to the church and to the school and to the place, what he's drawing them there for is to be fed so that they can become strong sheep, so that they can be strong and discipled Christians. Because uh, the world is a dark and difficult place, and Mm. the only way that we can navigate it uh, with strength and courage is to be fully uh, discerning Christians. We need to be fed with the Word of God. We need to know what it is that the Lord teaches us. We need to know, uh, not just know, but be formed in our hearts and be able to act in such a way that we can stay true to the to the Lord through difficulties that come, because we know that they will come. They will come, yeah. And you talked about the formation of, of good shepherds to kind of feed the flock. And that's something that you do in your work for the, the collaboration of, of dioceses or regional churches that we have for, for whom you're the education coordinator for their ordained ministry. How do you see um, the raising up of, of good shepherds as a way to feed the sheep? Well, it all begins with the shepherds. Uh, the shepherds have to be uh, the good. Jesus is obviously the first shepherd, so he's our Amen. model, and he's the shepherd who lays down his life. Uh, but he says for us to imitate him, and yes. in order to do that, we have to be wise and discerning in the ways of God, and to some extent, wise and discerning in the ways of the world enough to recognize danger. I mean, a good shepherd uh, is able to recognize danger. We see that in the Aesop's Fables, one of my favorite, where the wolf puts on sheep's clothing and the mm-hmm. shepherd doesn't recognize him, right? So we have to be, to be a good shepherd, we have to be able to recognize falsehoods or untruths or heresies that are creeping in, uh, you know, into our community and just general temptations Uh, the world is full of them and our human nature is subject to them and the only way uh, for a shepherd to be able to care for the sheep uh, and ultimately the goal is for the sheep in our case because we're talking ultimately about people the metaphor of sheep only goes so far in in the (laughs) metaphor of sheep the sheep will always be sheep and the shepherds will always be the shepherds so it's true that Jesus will always be God and we will always be the sheep to that degree. But with our children, our goal is for them to ultimately grow up and be able to shepherd themselves, to have self-control for themselves, self-discipline and wisdom and discernment for themselves, and ultimately to be able to do that for others. Uh, If they're called to have children and to be parents, we want them to do that in their homes first and foremost. If they're called to be ministers in the church uh, in any capacity, clergy or lay, we want them to be able to do that. So this Uh, sort of multiplying of shepherds creating shepherds I think is the vision Uh, and the only way to do that is really to have uh, be fed you you can't start out uh, fully fully grown and trained Uh, you first have to be fed and grow and mature and so the it's a process the church and the school need to be that place so they need to be rich in the scriptures we need to be rich in the theology and tradition of the church we need to be rich uh, in 
the history of the saints uh, and the calendar, that's another aspect of home discipleship. Uh, you know, the, the calendar of church, the liturgical calendar, allows us to center our lives around Christ. There's lots of ways to center your life, the school calendar, the Hallmark calendar. Uh, but the church teaches us through its uh, feasts and its fasts and its even its calendar of saints and readings uh, to center our life on Christ. Through the liturgical calendar, we follow through his birth and uh, or first through his conception and his birth and then his uh, manifestation to the Gentiles and through his uh, 40 days in the wilderness and his death and then his resurrection and then his ascension and ultimately the giving of Pentecost. So we go through the whole life of Christ uh, and that is what the church calendar, one of the things it does for us. So to me, all these tools are available to us in the rich tradition of the church and it's our duty, responsibility, but also our joy and pleasure to share them with our children. If we're down to just about a minute and a half here, but if, if there were one thing that you would want people to go out with in their hearts, um, a summary of, of what you would like to see us doing as a, as a people, as a church, to raise up saints and martyrs, what would it be? I think watering deeply and growing deep roots uh, in the faith. I truly believe that uh, children and young Christians who are deeply grounded in the joy and faith of the church uh, in its life will be able to, like tall trees, withstand uh, great winds. And so I would really want uh, this ministry to be available uh, either as a partnership for people who are interested in participating directly uh, or getting uh, their own knowledge and information. I know there's lots of people in the community that are learning about the rich tradition of the church uh, through various sources, and I would just continue to encourage them in that. And they can find out more information on the school at goodshepherdhenderson.info and at the church at vegasanglican.org. Again, that's goodshepherdhenderson.info and vegasanglican.org. Aaron, it's been wonderful to have you with us today. Uh, we continue to pray for your ministry uh, in the church, as well as all of us ministering together at the school. And thank you so much for bringing the vision of the, the pasture and the Good Shepherds, and to giving us inspiration on how to raise up our children into the saints and martyrs that Jesus wants. Thank you, Margaret. It's a pleasure and blessings on your ministry as well. Thanks so much for joining us at the Christian Classical Corner. It's been a pleasure, and we hope that it's been a blessing for you. Want to learn more? Find out more about our school project at goodshepherdhenderson.info and more about our church, where you can support our ministry at vegasanglican.org. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week, Friday, 8.30 a.m., for more talk on Christian Classical Education.